you'll join me in prayer, please. Almighty Father, as we close out this last great day and, of course, the feast, we look back on so many good memories, so many blessings that you gave us this feast, as you always do. We pray that what we have done here will be pleasing to you, and we ask that the future hold even more and greater feasts because we know that it is your will and we are going to obey your will no matter what. So we thank you, Almighty Yahweh, bless those that came here. And we pray that this message would, would touch many wherever they might be and that it would encourage them too. So we pray, Almighty Yahweh, in Yahshua's name, hallelujah. And you may be seated. Well, we were promised, we were warned, it's going to go fast. And the closer you get to the end, the faster it goes. It always is that way. But uh, we had a great time. The more, more, the greater the time you have, the faster it seems to go. You just don't want it to end. It's kind of like when you're taking a trip, you know, you, the excitement, the buildup. And then you go through the get there and everything, and then you don't want to see it end. But here we are. But, you know, a feast is only what the brethren make it. And we had so much good participation this year. It's, uh, I mean, this is the first year I can remember that we asked people to pitch in and help. They actually did it. I mean, every, every which way. And, and did it without being told, you know. Pitched in, saw a need, and, and, and did it. So that's a, that shows a maturity of spirit for sure. And... Uh, we're so grateful for that. Revelation 5.10 says, And has made us unto our Elohim kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. That's not a teaching that's very common out there. It's, uh, they, they don't get it because they think they're already shot up into heaven. So why would I be reigning on the earth? Well, I'm going to talk about two kingdoms today. Because, of course, we know that the Feast of Tabernacles represents the Millennial Kingdom. And then the Great White Throne, which moves us into the New Jerusalem Kingdom when Yahweh comes to this earth. It's an awesome prospect to think that you and I can be given such rulership responsibilities. And these are responsibilities that go on forever. Not just to be in the kingdom, but to be granted an important position in it. That's, uh, wow, what a... What a deal. I mean, what a blessing. When Yasha returns and rewards the saints. Everybody talks about salvation, but not many have a clue as to what it takes to get there, to find it. Yet this is what the life of the believer is all about, to live out and on this earth for a greater, magnificent purpose, pre-planned by Yahweh and ready to go. Yahweh gives us 70 years, give or take, on this earth, to see what we will do with it, how we would take his instructions and apply them. Are we going to squander it on ourselves, waste time? I was talking to a brother just before the service about how much time we waste in our lives on trivia, on nothing. To make worldly pursuits our all in all, is that what we're here to do? Or are we called to be first fruits among many billions of people? That's a special honor not many will enjoy. So Tabernacles is about the millennial kingdom, the kingdom of thousand-year reign on earth. Yahshua said that whatever office or duty you may be granted in the kingdom, should you be found worthy, is only Yahweh's to give. He decides, Yahshua judges and you know, gives you the seal of approval or not, but Yahweh decides what you'll be doing in that kingdom. But, you know, we were helping, to, helping him to make that decision every day. How does one prepare for such a thing? By learning, first of all, and following Yahweh's ways, his truths. By observing the precepts he has given us in his word. By living lives reflecting the son's very nature as our pattern, our model. It might seem like a tall order, but he offers help in several ways. I can think of a few. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
1 Peter 1.22, seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the spirit. So it's the spirit that helps you obey the truth. Another way he helps is by learning from real-life lessons and examples that Yahshua taught us. We read about Yahshua in his word. We learn by seeing all the faults of people in the Bible so we don't repeat them. And by direct teaching through the 66 books of scripture. But what about those who will not be awarded a spot in the first resurrection because they never even pass go? Are these and millions of others like them just eternally lost forever? Uh, Wrong place, wrong time, so they missed out. Is that what it is? Major denominations say that's, that's right. Through no fault of their own, they missed out. They'll miss the kingdom and worse yet to suffer forever in the flames of of punishment. Talk about punishment not fitting the crime, you know. It wasn't even their fault, but yet they're going to end up that way. What about those who may hear the truth but don't take hold of it? All those seeds in Yasha's parable that fell by the wayside and never took root. The answers are in the resurrections and the white throne judgment is one of them depicting the last great day. David understood it. He said in, wrote in Psalm 9:8, And he shall judge the world in righteousness, and he shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. I'm sure glad I had a fair and honest judge, because I'm going to need it. The prophet Samuel in 1 Samuel 2:3 said, Talk no more, so exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. There's nothing to be proud of with, with your life. It's a life of service. For Yahweh is an L of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. You know, Yahweh and his son notice everything about our lives. They know every breath you take. They know every action you took in your ostensibly 80, 80 years, 70, 70 years of life. We can't pull any wool over their eyes. We're not fooling anybody. People that get away with crime think they really got away with it. They, they, you never get away with it because there's a judgment coming. And uh, Isaiah 45, 21 calls Yahweh a just El and a savior. He is the salvation that Yahshua spoke of. And who's better suited to judge than Yahshua, who overcame the same pulls and trials we do on this earth? So what about those who never knew, who never were exposed to the truth in their lifetime? Does he hold them accountable for their ignorance? Doesn't seem like he would, does it? But from what we just read of his being just. So the answer, brethren, is found in the day we're observing today, the last great day. His feasts are called Moedim, appointed times. And Yahweh's working out his salvation through these feasts. If you line up all seven Moedim and you look at the purpose for each one, you see a plan of salvation from Passover all the way through to today, the last great day. There are appointed times that we set before us so that we can understand, and that we can learn from and obey. Identifiable markers that, that uh, Yahweh identif- defines his plan by. In Mark thirteen thirty two, Yahshua said, But of that day and that hour knows no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Only Yahweh knows the time of Yahshua's return. Only he So there's a specific time when Yahweh will implement a new phase of his plan for man and the universe. When Yahshua was sent back to this earth to finish up what he only started, he came the first time to do, but never completed it. Only Yahweh knows when that time will come. We can see trends. We can forecast. You know, we just sang a song. We talked about the Jubilee. Uh, Someone had some insight there. It could be, you know, most people don't know anything about the annual Sabbath years, sabbatical and jubilee. But uh, two, probably two times, one of the two, either one, when Yahshua will return. We don't know which one or, or when, which uh, either one would, it would be. But it all fits in because if you look at what you did on a sabbatical and jubilee, it's all about uh, resting and all about uh, defining a different uh, aspect of your life. Unlike us, Yahweh is a mighty one of consistency. Dependability is one of his hallmarks. People will say, oh, I'll be there, you know, and then an hour later, still waiting, day later, still waiting, 
Uh, we see it all the time. Someone plans to uh, do some work for us, and I'll be there Wednesday, and Wednesday comes and goes, and of course, naturally, they show up Saturday. <laughs> nope, can't do it that day, so you got to go. But uh, we are not as faithful as Yahweh. Yahweh keeps his promises to the T. That's one of his hallmarks. Malachi 3.6 says he changes not. He has mercy, or else Israel and the entire globe would be consumed. Although the feasts of the seventh month are significant, their impact is really future. Really future, because the last four of this seventh month have not been fulfilled yet. So they're prophetic as well. First off, we understand that the totally wicked of the world who have not repented have no part in the kingdom. 2 Peter 2.12, but these as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed speak evil of the things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. It's one thing to be clueless. It's another to be defiantly clueless. And that's what we're talking about here. Paul wrote the following to a predominantly Gentile and ex-pagan assembly known as Corinth. 1 Corinthians 6.19. They were, one of, they were some of the worst of all the, the uh, sins of these different assemblies. This one takes the cake. And so he writes, Know you not that the unrighteous should not inherit the kingdom of Elohim? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, the major sin of Corinth, nor idolaters or adulterers, nor effeminate, from a word meaning soft and dainty, that is, male prostitutes, they have that going on, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, that's uh, sodomy, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkard, nor revilers, that's an abuser and a railer, someone who uses just nasty profanity and language, and he's just a, someone you want to keep away from, if you know what I mean. Nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of Elohim. Of course, this means unrepentant bad people. They can repent. Because he said in, the, in 611, 1 Corinthians 6.11, And such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of Yahshua the Messiah by the Spirit of our Elohim. So redemption by and through Yahshua begins on the day we repent and are immersed into Yahshua's name. That's why baptism is so important. That is why we must be immersed into Yahshua's name, the only name that gives salvation, Acts 4.12. The act of coming out of the watery burial represents Yahshua's resurrection. We, we, there's, there's really no other way we can, we can pattern it except by going like a burial in water and pulled out and into a new life, as Yahshua did. Another reason for being immersed. And it appears that Revelation 26 has a, 20 verse 6 has a dual meaning. Blessed and holy is he that is part in the first resurrection on such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of Elohim and a Messiah and shall reign with him a thousand years. So Revelation 20 is where we want to begin our investigation to understand who will be resurrected, why, and when. We see that the incorrigibly wicked will not find life because unless they repent, and chances are that ain't going to happen. But the passage didn't mention those well-meaning people who are simply ignorant. Didn't know. Never were told. Things like that. Yahshua said the blind have no sin, John 9.41. But that doesn't mean he will allow them to stay blind. He might call them, and then they got to make the decision. I want to look at the... Let's go to Revelation 20. I'm going to go through a couple chapters here. The millennium. It's found in Revelation 20. I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Okay, now we're talking millennium. Milla, milla means a thousand in Latin, and anus means year. thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should not deceive the nations till the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed a little season. I often wonder, why, would he, why, why does he have to be loosed? What, what's the point? What's the point? You know, for a thousand years we don't have him around, but we still, men will still struggle with his 
nature, his sinful nature. He just won't have Satan giving you next to, you know, kicking the pants and really make it bad. But he won't be around. What, uh, why? Why does Yahweh let him loose? You ever wondered that? I've often wondered that. I mean, here was the pristine thousand years, everything going great. Yahshua's in control. David under him and the saints as priests ruling. And I saw thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Yahshua and for the word of Yahweh and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Messiah a thousand years. Now, did he recognize these, these spirit beings? Did they have faces that he knew or could, you know, probably did. Uh, it's been conjectured that uh, in the kingdom, you probably live, be in the, the prime of your life, so to speak, as far as recognition goes. Like you'd be like 30 years old. We don't know. We can only speculate. But for some reason, he could recognize them. Uh, so anyway, that's, uh, the, these are the ones that never worshipped the beast, got his, uh, you know, neither the, his image and neither had received his mark in their foreheads or in their hand. So these are the ones that are basically ruling at that time, the incorrigible people that uh, are going to have to learn some things. But that passage didn't mean those well-meaning people who are simply ignorant of truth. Yahshua said the blind have no sin, John 9, 41, but that doesn't mean, you know, it's going to stay that way. So the millennium is found in Revelation 20. At the beginning, Satan is bound a thousand years, so he can't do anything. He's all locked up and a seal put on it so he can't get away. And who are sitting on the thrones? Well, that has to be the righteous ones. We're brought up and judged worthy. And they'll judge by the authority of father and son. For the father judges no man, but has committed all judgment unto the son. John 5, 22, the one who's most experienced Probably, although Yahweh can, you know, he knows everything. But he lived through it literally on this earth. He knows how tough it can be. He knows the temptations that Satan can throw at you. He understands it. So he would have a greater insight maybe in that regard to know what it's, uh, what it's really like to overcome. So we must all appear before that judgment seat according to what we have done, whether it's good or bad. 2 Corinthians 5.10. The righteous who are raised in the first resurrection have already been found worthy, right? So they've been judged already. They don't have to go through this white throne judgment. They're resurrected because they've been found worthy. But everyone has to be, everyone has to be judged, and that's the way they are judged, through right now, through this life. And that's why it can be so tough on us, because uh, we're, we're being judged by what we, what we do now. The judgment proper doesn't come until later in this 20th chapter. Yet here we have the saints reigning with Yahshua at the start of the millennium. John 5.24 says that they were raised at the second coming and already have everlasting life. So there we have the, uh, the context and the book explaining it. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that hears my word and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death into life. Yahshua explains, marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of judgment. That's in John 5, 28, 29, and Daniel 12, 2 says the same thing. So here we have the rest of the dead who were not brought up in the first resurrection. They don't live again until a thousand years later. Then they are raised. Those in the first resurrection will live forever in the kingdom. Revelation 26 says, 20 verse 6, Blessed and holy, and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. On such the second death has no power. Can't die once you're in the first resurrection. But they shall be priests of Elohim and of Messiah and shall reign with him a thousand years. So this is judgment time right now for us, brethren. That's why we find life really tough sometimes, and others don't seem to have that problem because they're not in the game. 
They're not in the race. Theirs is coming. They will have it someday. But right now it's us. The world knows nothing about all this. They're not taught it, mostly. There might be a few groups that teach it, but not for the most part. They have no, no concept. And life seems to be so much easier, although they have their own problems too, you know. But uh, they aren't concerned about keeping every Sabbath holy, about keeping all the feast days, taking time off and, uh, you know, preparing for that, observing the annual holy times because, you know, they, they, uh, they're not going to be doing it. So uh, they don't struggle against sin like we do because we have a good idea what sin is and it's transgression of the law and they're taught the law is done away so they don't even have to worry about sin, they think, because they're not in the race. Their time is coming and I'd much rather be among the first fruits, even now, even trailblazers than the ones that come at the tail end. If we get through this life with our faith strong, we remain obedient, we will be favorably judged. We're promised that. So our judgment happens now, and only those that Yahweh finds acceptable will be in the first resurrection. Second Corinthians 4.17, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, and that's all we can look at it, Things will change. Tomorrow will be another day. You know, you're sitting there all tied up over some problem. And he says, it's a lot of affliction, but which for a moment, and we'll go away, works for us a more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What we can't see, the principalities and powers going on over here above our heads, and all over the place. I mean, we would be scared out of our wits if we saw what was happening, you know, with, the, with uh, Satan and the conflicts that are going on. Remember when Job, uh, in the book of Job, they, the uh, sons of Elohim went before Yahweh, and Satan was right there to accuse him, you know, right there. And I'm sure he's accusing each, each of us too, you know, like politicians going at each other. They don't even know each other, but they're just the most evil people in the world. And if it were true, they'd all be in jail. You know, I mean, it's just so silly. But anyway, uh, the saints will be either resurrected of spirit if they already died by that time or living if changed into spirit beings when Yahshua returns. So much of the saints on earth today have, have a harder toe, but that's okay. They get the greater rewards. What about the others who have not seen the light? We find the rest of the dead come to life after the thousand years are over when Satan's loosed. That means that the willing wicked and the plain ignorant will come up again in a second resurrection for judgment. And that's called the white throne judgment. It's not really, I don't think it's specifically called great white throne, but they call it the white throne judgment in, uh, in Revelation. A key to this time, this sequence, is found in Ezekiel chapters 36 to 39. We talked about that in the Bible study about 37, Ezekiel 37 the resurrection of, of dry bones. And 36.21 to the end speaks of the millennium. Chapter 37, second resurrection after the millennium. The rest of Israel is resurrected to physical life. But Yahweh is going to set his tabernacle in the midst of a new world, in their midst forever. And that word is Verse 27, Mishkan, meaning residence. This doesn't happen until New Jerusalem comes down and he puts his center of his government right here, right here at Jerusalem on this earth. Imagine that. I don't know where we fit in uh, the cosmos, you know, in the, in the scheme of all the galaxies. I know we're kind of like at one end of the Milky Way. But this will be the center of the entire universe. The government right there at Jerusalem for the entire sky that goes on forever. That's how I think the universe goes on forever. I don't think you go so far and you see a brick wall, you know, and that's the end of the universe. Uh, because what's beyond that? It has to it, something has to go beyond that, and uh, so I think it's, it just goes on forever. But uh, he says the, the, his kingdom, there, the end, there'll be no end to his kingdom, so he can go on and on and on. So it's a mishkan, a resonance. The earth is going to be cleansed and sanitized of sin and corruption by fire. You probably read that. Yahweh comes to live here after the millennium at New Jerusalem. 
2 Peter 3.10, but the day of Yahweh will come as a thief in the night in which, now this is, uh, we, we specifically talk about the day of Yahweh, the day of the L-O-R-D in the translation as the time when Yahshua returns, and it is. But this is also, it seems to be talking about the same type of thing. The day of Yahweh will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away. So this isn't, this isn't when Yahshua comes back. This has to be later before the new Jerusalem. For the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that therein will be burned up. Yahweh has to cleanse this earth of sin and all the bad things, completely remake it so that he can come down and not have to live among you know, the, 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 uh, the filth of man. Revelation 20.11, I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face... The earth and the heaven fled away, and there was no, found no place for them, no heaven or earth found, just those standing before him. I mean, it's like you're in black limbo, and you're talking to the judge. There's nothing for support, nothing there but you and the judge. One-on-one, -on -one, just the majestic throne of Yahweh and those about to answer for the way they lived. That's got to be terrifying if you knew that you didn't live right. And most people have an idea they're not living right, but they like it that way. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before Elohim, and the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books. Notice this, boldface, according to their works. People say, you don't need works. That's works righteousness. You're trying to earn your salvation. No, I just want to be worthy of salvation because that's how you're going to be judged. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and the grave delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man, bullface, according to their works. Here it is again. And death and Hades, the grave, were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Question. What? Well, we'll get into the book of life in a minute. Decent people like your neighbor, your family, perhaps, who never really understood, never took the time, never really had the desire, just didn't have any use for the Bible. Uh, what about it? What about them? They were not convicted. The feast didn't mean anything. His name, oh, he's got many names. Uh, the covenant is going to have to be taught them if they are, true, if they are called. The same white throne judgment is found in Daniel 7.10, which reads, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were opened. It says millions were ministering unto him. Well, hundreds of millions stood before him to be judged. Who are these? These millions ministering before them. Are these angels? Probably. Are they saints? Could be. Could be the ones who are in the first resurrection, who perhaps are reporting on the lives of each of the hundreds of millions about to be judged. Because remember, they were kind of their overseers. And Isaiah 30 talks about that. You'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk you in it. They'll know. They'll have a firsthand knowledge of how this guy acted. And he's, they can report to Yahweh. I don't know. It makes a lot of sense to me, but we'll see. Imagine this awesome scene, all the limitless power and might of the heavenly majesty. One angel, only by one word from Yahweh, could destroy millions, millions of people, millions of soldiers, each who had power to obliterate armies at the simple command of Yahweh. Cowering before this breathtaking scene are men and women, some scared to death, others defiant and full of sin and evil hiding behind pathetic excuses while trembling before Yahshua the king. Oh, I didn't know. You know it was his fault. Um, nobody told me. Where is all their arrogant pride now? I want to I know. Where is it now? Where is the slash and burn rider now? The lying politician, the murderer, the serial thief, and child molester, the proud sodomite. Where are they now? Standing before Yahweh. I think the tune is going to change dramatically at that point. We see Yahshua judging from books, Biblos, the Bible. The same thing we're being judged by now, the Bible. That's what they're going to be judged by, the Torah, the law. 
And all the other examples in here, Yahweh, who knows how he's going to judge? He could say, look at the example I set in Isaiah. Look at Jeremiah. Look at, uh, look at what, we, what Adam did. Didn't you learn from that? And then I also gave you the, the commands. Didn't you follow them? My people do. They did it. You could have done it. But, you know, too late now. You know, Lazarus and the rich man, he, he's, uh, there was a great gulf fixed. He couldn't, he couldn't, reach, he couldn't reach Lazarus. Sat there and wanted a little water for his tongue. We see Yahshua judging from books, the same ones that judge us. In the millennium, the people who survived the end time tribulation are going to be taught the law and ways of Yahweh. By you and me, I guess, if we're, if we're faithful. If we're resurrected by Yahshua. Those who come up in the second resurrection are going to be judged by the same laws that we are. That is, those who aren't incorrigibly wicked and don't care. Micah 4.2 says of the millennium, And many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of Yahweh, to the house of Elohim of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways. How about that? People who actually want to learn his ways. And we will walk in his paths, for the law shall go forth of Zion and the word of Yahweh from Jerusalem. It says that he takes him up, the, the prophet, up into a high mountain to show the new city and Yahweh's throne. It's going to be high, high and lifted up, like Isaiah talked about. Those who gathered with Satan to attack Jerusalem were annihilated by fire. Satan's let loose, he gathers Hordes of people. How did that happen? Hordes who went through the millennium, who had Yahshua as their, their guide and their judge and his saints to help them. And yet there's going to be untold. So like the sands of the sea, they're going to rebel at that time when Satan's left. That's the power of Satan. He's going to, well, if he can convince a third of the angels, and believe me, angels can't be stupid. Um, <laughs> why? Why would they turn against Yahweh? Well, they did. They will. Now we have another book, the book of life. This is the book showing all who are worthy of everlasting life. Now, my question always was, what was the purpose of this book at the second judgment? If their names, some say, well, it contains the names of everybody, and then he eliminates those. Well, if their names had been in it, they would already have been judged by the law and they would have risen in the first resurrection, I would think. Because it's the book of life, right? You have life if you're in that book. That didn't, never really added up to me. I, I don't understand that one. But it could be uh, the book of life at the second resurrection could be there because he's adding more names into it for those that proved worthy through uh, that period of time who are successfully judged righteous after a period of time. I don't know. It's, uh, it's, to me, it's still an enigma. I haven't figured it out yet. But uh, when New Jerusalem comes down in Revelation 21 and Yahweh comes to live with his people, only the righteous will be uh, allowed into this city. Let's go to, again, Revelation 21. Um, just start there. This talks about New Jerusalem. Well, actually, yeah, I guess we covered everything before that, pretty much. Uh, and I saw, verse 1, a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. So there's not going to be any more. Keep this in mind, because we're going to come up against it in a minute. There's no water. There's no sea in that time. I should say oceans in New Jerusalem. And he's going to come down from Elohim out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of the heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of Elohim is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and Yahweh himself shall be with them and be their Elohim. So here we have Yahweh's going to be with men. So obviously there's going to be physical people on earth. He that overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his Elohim, and he shall be my son. And then it says, verse 9, I will uh, show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. That would be 
I guess, us, if, we, if we're found worthy. He carried me into the spirit to a great and high mountain, this is what I was talking about, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from Elohim. What a sight. But you ought to see, you dig deeper, you, you, you get, uh, you get a, a that, that's a telescopic view. You get a microscopic view. It's, it's amazing. We'll, we'll, we'll hit some highlights here. And so, having the glory of Elohim and her light was like unto a stone, most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And had a wall, great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. What does that tell you? To get into the holy city, you go through one of the tribes of Israel. See, what was before is coming back again. Yahweh never gave up on Israel. In fact, he, he marked the gates by each of the tribes. Each one had a, a gate. On the east, three gates. On the north, three. On the south, three. And on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations. So the wall had some kind of strong foundations. And in them, the names of the 12 apostles. Hey, coming back again. We got the, we got, uh, the Israelites, or the uh, 12 tribes of Israel, and then we have the apostles forming a foundation for this, uh, these walls. This wall goes around. And uh, then we read on verse uh, 16. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the uh, reed 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. It's a cube. It's a cube. And the, the wall is 216 feet high, according to my calculation, if, a, uh, if 18 inches serves as a cubit. So here we have a giant cube, and it is 12,000 furlongs, approximately 1,400 miles Cubed. Now, this country, America, is, is, is what, 3,000 miles across. So half, half of this country is going to be part of the city. That's how big it's going to be. And it goes up into the sky 1,400 miles. I mean, that's high. And it's, it's magnificent. You, you read about it. The building of the wall of it was of pure jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. Gold-like glass, you can see through it, apparently. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. And it goes through all of these, uh, sapphire, chalcedony, uh, emeralds, sardonyx, and all the sardius, and so forth. And the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Apparently, it ought to look like pearls. 12 pearls, several uh, uh, several, every several gate was of one pearl, and the uh, street of the city was pure gold. It is, as it were, transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein, for Yahweh El Shaddai and the Lamb are the temple of it. So here, finally, you know, in the millennium, it says that Yahshua is going to build the temple, this uh, temple that they want to build now, you know, to uh, where the uh, false prophet will stand, you know, in the holy place. That's apparently not going to be around. So Yahshua's going to build a temple. But then when Yahweh comes down, he's going to eliminate temples entirely. Their usefulness is apparently used up. So he and uh, Yahshua are going to be the temple. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of Elohim did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Now, that doesn't mean the sun and the moon no longer exist. They don't have any need for it because they're going to outshine it, probably. You know, the Father and Son are going to be the light. Uh, and the gates of, the, of it shall uh, not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night. It's going to be daylight, 24 hours, no night. So and then we read further in uh, 21, 27, and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defiles, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or makes a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Revelation 17, 4 is a, a cross-reference in the RSB. So 
just magnificent. It just, it just boggles your mind. I imagine to see it. We, we, he can discuss it. He can, you know, describe it. But imagine if you saw it. Uh, oh, it's unbelievable. He's going to be here on earth. And then it goes on, the river and the tree of life in verse, uh, chapter 22, verse 2. In the midst of the street of it, on the either side of the river, there was a tree of life which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And I asked the doctor who was here a couple of weeks ago, I said, you know, I heard that uh, prescriptions, medicines, uh, chemicals, they're, uh, they're basically made from plants. He said 80%, something like that. So that's virtually right. Now, they, they start with, you know, a basis chemical, and then, of course, they tweak it. And uh, he said, that's, that's pretty much right. So here we got the real deal. You know, we got, we got the, uh, the fruit and the leaves uh, for the healing of the nations. And notice it isn't one tree. It's on, uh, lining both sides of the river uh, so that uh, you can just go up and grab a little medicine. Good medicine. And uh, probably, oh, of course, no side effects, except you get healed. <laughs> that might be a side effect. But uh, and anyway, uh, here it is. The, uh, it, it's just amazing. And there should be no more curse, but the throne of Elohim and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. How about that? We're supposed to have Yahweh's name in us now, in our, you know, at least in our thoughts, in our, in our minds. So his name is going to be in their foreheads. How literal? doesn't really say. But we'll see. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For Yahweh Elohim, this repeats it, by the way, giving them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Elohim of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keeps the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things, and I heard them. And when I heard them and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel, which showed me these things. And he says, get up. I'm, I'm just a servant like you. Don't worship me. And he said unto me, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. For he that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he that is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly. This, of course, he's speaking for Yahshua. And my reward is with me to give every man according to his bullface works. See it all over the place, don't we? Works, what you do, not just what you say, not just what you profess, but what you do. That, that's the mark of who you are. People don't do things that they don't believe in. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life. They'll say, well, you can't earn your salvation, but obedience will give me the right to it, and it will help make me worthy of it. They may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates. One of the gates, 12 tribes of Israel, one of the tribes, enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loves and makes a lie. Yahweh sure hates lies, doesn't he? Man, he hates lies. Yahshua, hi Yahshua, I've sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the assemblies. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him that heareth say, come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, Yahweh will add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, Elohim shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things that are written in this book. So we have a magnificent 
future ahead of us should we remain faithful and not backslide, not give up. And so it's amazing that uh, Yahweh would give that to little old us. You ever been on an airplane and you look down and you get higher and higher and uh, you can see a house. You can barely see a car the higher you go. And then pretty soon you can't even see the house. You certainly can't see any people. They're too small. I always think about that, how puny we are. And yet look what Yahweh's going to do. Put us in charge of a kingdom, eternal kingdom without end. It just, you look at it in the perspective of who we are, like you know, the scriptures say, who am I? Uh, who am I that you could choose me? When New Jerusalem comes down and Yahweh comes to live with his people, the only righteous will be the ones he's allowed into the city. And then in Luke 12, uh, well, not, not something interesting there. What Yahshua said in Luke 10, uh, 12 to 14, about uh, there'll be no, uh, there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defiles. But Yahshua said there in Luke 10, it seems that the amount of exposure to the truth will make a big difference in a person's life when it comes to repentance and judgment. And that's why we constantly push the truth, push it, push it. Someone can uh, tell you something, you know, you, you, oh, yeah, that, you know, especially your parents. If you're a teenager, oh, yeah, that's just mom and dad, you know. But someone else comes along and says the same thing. Then you kind of perk up. Huh, maybe, maybe they had something there, you know. And uh, like, I like to quote Mark Twain when he, we said when I was a boy of 17, my parents were so, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. About the time I reached 21, I, I was just amazed at how much he had learned in four years. And that's kind of how we are, you know. We, we know, have all the answers when we're young and uh, think we know everything. But, uh, but the truth seems to, it, it does make a, a big difference toward repentance and judgment. Luke 12 Ten twelve. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Woe unto you, Chorazan. Woe unto you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works have been done in Tyre and Sidon, which have been done in you, they had a great while ago repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it shall be more tolerable for them, Tyre and Sidon, at the judgment than for you. Even Sodom, as wicked as that city was will not receive the harsh judgment that these other cities, why? Because they understood, they were believers. The, the people in Sodom and Gomorrah were unbelievers. They were just, just uh, natural man at his dirtiest. But they could have a chance to understand one day when you know, some would turn, come to the truth. But you people, you reject it out of hand. And you're supposed to be, you know, of Israel. They were north of Galilee. Gentile cities on the Mediterranean didn't have the opportunity to hear Yahshua's message because he was focused on the Galilee region and see his miracles. And, but those towns in Galilee, like Chorazan, Bethsaida, certainly did. They still didn't want anything to do with it. No, he's just one of those Galileans. He doesn't know anything. Capernaum was Yahshua's headquarters on the north shore of Galilee and whose inhabitants had... Many opportunities to see him work, see his truth, hear him speak, uh, but they rejected it. Ezekiel 36 spoke of Israel, verse 19, and I scattered them among the nations, on the heathen, and they were dispersed through the, country, to, through the countries according to their way and according to their doings, I judged them. You're not judged by what you say as much as by what you do. The more we're given, the more we're going to be required to do. And that's why it's so important for the sake of our own salvation, brethren, to remain true to the word, keep the truths we've learned, and not be lukewarm, not be, uh, you know, just uh, out there but not too zealous. Paul compared it to keeping up the race until the finish line. So our rewards are the result of what we do now, and there aren't any second chances. What it means is, if you seem to have a second chance, that you didn't quite understand it the first time. But, you know, you can't completely blow it and come back later on and say, I want to I try, try it again, down or stab at it. Uh, I don't think so. 
Matthew 7, 26, Yahshua gave a parable. Everyone that hears the sayings of mine and does them not shall be likened unto a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. 727, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Luke 9, 62, and Yahshua said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom. We're in it all the way now. We can't look back. We can't back off. We go all the way now, because we're, we've been uh, convicted, and we've been, at least most of us have been baptized. We made a commitment. We have to keep it. We're held responsible for what we know and what we do. And that's kind of sobering when you consider the judgments. Yahweh will hold us accountable, unlike when we were ignorant. We just, uh, you know, we just pleaded ignorance. And he does have some, some grace for that. But uh, once you know, that's a whole different story. Well, I don't want to ramble on and on forever, but uh, for me, and, and I'm sure for Margie and my family, it was a memorable feast. And you helped make it so. You know, I was thinking about uh, the Good Samaritan, uh, the, uh, the religious leaders, you know, they walked, saw a man struggling there, all beat up on the side of the road. They walked on the other side of the road. They didn't want any part of that. But the Samaritan comes along, and he, he didn't say, hey, there's a guy over here lying. Somebody, come help him. Somebody, somebody. No, he jumped right in. He jumped right in and took charge. And if I remember the story right, he takes him to a, an inn and says to the innkeeper, keep him for a couple of days. I'll pay for it, but keep him and, so he can heal. And uh, I'll be back this way if you need more payment. Maybe he's got to stay longer. I'll do that too. Now, there's, that's the kind of thing the Yahweh is looking for. That's the kind of person who go the extra mile or even past the extra mile. Uh, and so that's what we need to do. And we do that. We get practice at the feast, going the extra mile. You know, we help. We pitch in. We, we learn of people's issues. We try to help them, try to counsel the best we can. Um, everybody has issues, and it's good that uh, we are able to, you know, help our brethren. That's what it's all about, helping the brethren. That's what Yahshua said. It's the brethren that he came to serve. So let us do that. Keep that in mind for the future. And uh, We pray that uh, Yahweh will convict everyone of this truth and hopefully we'll keep at it until Yahshua comes back and then our work will be done. Typically at the end of a feast we have the benediction, Numbers 622. So if everybody would please rise, we'll we'll, uh, read that, looking for a blessing on each of us who are here. And Yahweh spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and unto his sons, saying, On this wise you shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, Yahweh bless you and keep you. Yahweh make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Yahweh lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.